Liz, what is your favorite Harry Potter book? Man, I always struggle with that. I'm currently listening to book seven again. I'm almost at the end. I never have loved, I think it's book five where Harry is like kind of a little brat. He's a total emo jerk in that book. Yeah, I was like, I'm not buying this thing where suddenly Harry's entire personality totally changes, which maybe I was just like an ornery teenager and I was like, that's not what we're like. (laughs) Nobody understands us. Do you want to get into this? Do you want to clink glasses? Let's clink glasses. Hold on. I'm going to have a before and after sip. A before and after sip? Mm Mm-hmm. You lush. Oh, yes. All right. Let's talk. Yay. Hey. Yeah, That's no. how Gumby You sounds. don't sound like Gumby. It's fine. Hey, everybody. You. Welcome to the Cooperatives Podcast with the real-life human couple, Liz and Aaron, where we will discuss the joys and sorrows of cooperative gaming with a significant other. Real-life human couple. We are a real-life human couple. We're not androids. We're making sure that people know that. Right yes. off the bat. Yeah. It's not like a... We're not insecure about it, because we just... We're not insecure. It's, it's not fine. like we're trying to cover everything. Sure. But, I mean, if there was ever any doubt, we are humanoids. Right. Right. Is it humanoids or human beings? I, uh, you know, because humanoid just, is like human-like, right? Yeah, I think we're kind of giving it away here. So we should just say we're human. We beings We should move on. Anyway, today we're talking about Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle. It was uh, published by USAopoly. Uh, it was developed, I'm sorry, by USAopoly, designed by USAopoly, and uh, licensed and invented by Forrest Prusan. Ooh, I know. I wanted to make you, sure Forrest. I got that name. Forrest Prusan. It sounds like a type of apple. Is it Forrest with two R's, like Forrest Gump? Uh, yeah, but doesn't it sound like, it sounds like a fruit. I mean, Prusan sounds like something. Is there a type of pear that is like a Prusan pear? I've only ever had one pear in my life, so yes, let's say it so is. So you've had two? Yes, I, I just played this pear yeah. for a quite some time. Okay, well, let's move on to something that matters, like <laughs> Harry Potter colon Hogwarts Battle. Yes, it's not Harry Potter's colon. It's Harry <laughs> Potter, the actual type of colon. Right. I don't want to be Ron. Like, <laughs> no, all right, right. All right, then all right. I'll be I'll be Hermione about, and Ron. Or Hermione and Neville. I will, okay, no. I will be. You, you want to be Harry? You definitely want to be Hermione. I definitely want to be Hermione. That's who I wanted to be. Well? She's the best. Um, But you want to be Hermione and Ron? I'll be Hermione and anyone else. How about you be Hermione and Ron? And I'll be Fine. Harry and Neville. I'll be Team Handsome. I'll be the team of couples that never should have been. I think that you should talk a little bit about how we came to be the owners of this game. Oh my goodness, I kind of forgot about that. All right, so let me set the stage. <laughs> Beginning of August, 2016, Gen Con, Indianapolis. Dun, dun, dun. Thank you. No, wait, was that Law and Order? Uh, no, that it wasn't. Dun dun. Oh, but it was dun dun dun. Yeah, it was it was dramatic. Okay, okay, <laughs> it, it was a dramatic thing. The stage so, has been properly it set. Was, it was my first Gen Con, and spoiler alert: one of the best weekends of my life. It was such a great time. That's not a spoiler. And it's a spoiler. Early August, twenty sixteen, Indianapolis, Indiana. Dun dun dun. Gen Con, twenty sixteen. They were only selling fifty per day at Gen Con. So uh, my kind of like, I made a checklist of things I wanted to do at Gen Con. One was play an exclusive game, which we we got to play several exclusive games. Um, One was stay up way past our bedtimes playing board games, which we did that (laughs) every night. Um, We played Secret Hitler to like 4 a.m. three nights in a row. It was amazing. Uh, checkbox want to make new friends great did that and my last checkbox was I wanted to buy one of the limited edition games and so 
if I can just interject here, my my personal Gen Con philosophy is nothing that requires me to like get up super early or Ugh. beat a crowd of people to something. <laughs> so I was like, I am absolutely not interested in participating in this gambit. Like, I support what you want to do, but I'm a tiny bit skeptical about. I was actually a lot of bit skeptical about this. this Were you really Harry Potter cart? Look. What they did to the movies, okay? I will, we'll talk about that later, sure. maybe. But that's a whole different yeah. podcast. I was right. So I was, I was sort of like, oh, that's so sweet, honey. Like this is what you want to do for your first Gen Con, <laughs> okay? But I'm going to bed at four a.m. and I'm sleeping until eleven. <laughs> so. and, and my whole thing was like, you love Harry Potter. I want to yeah. make sure we get a game that we can both play and love. I support well, you. All right. Okay. So like the first day I went down, I was lined up in front of the wrong door. Fine. Second day I went down. Uh, when I just, were you going down there? Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But I woke up at roughly 6.30 or 7 a.m. every morning to get down there. That's right. I even got down into the show floor like two minutes early thanks to the help of, uh, of a friend of ours that was able to get me in early. Uh, I won't go into any more detail there. But um, even then, even then, the crowd beat me to the line. So that last day, I like – but yeah, that, that last day, I saw, I saw an opening. I took it. And I was right in front of the doors. The doors opened. The man next to me elbowed a woman in the sternum. She went down like a sack of potatoes. And I, like there wasn't any time to grieve about it. I just like sped walk because you can't run. I sped walk to the booth and there were all these people around me. The guy in front of me bought his game, immediately went back in line and sold it for $250. It was incredible. It was incredible. That's so, like, crazy. Like, that's that's a bullshit use of Gen Con fun times, by the way, and I agreed. don't support people doing that. Yes, um, but I was just so happy I got the game, and I was itching to play this because it looked legit. Right. I mean, I hadn't. I I on purpose hadn't really looked into it too much. Like I said, I was just sort of preemptively skeptical, but. Definitely after everything you went through to get it, which I really did not believe you were going to. <laughs> it was a really fun communal experience until the doors opened. Then we were all enemies. Right. But I got the game. You did. So, and the game comes in this. So, so this was like the beginning of the end of my skepticism. Um, the game comes in this gorgeous box that is like. It looks like a trunk. It looks like yeah, Harry Potter's yeah. trunk. And it's really it's not tacky looking like that was my whole thing with the the idea of a licensed game was that it would be tacky in some way Mm -hmm. and i will say that i don't think it is at all i think they did a really good job no so i mean as far as licensed games go um i play a lot of the fantasy flight games which they know how to license the star wars games exquisitely Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. armada imperial assault even destiny which we played at gen con and i wasn't too impressed with Looked really nice. The presentation's fantastic. Yeah. Star Wars Destiny. Yes. Right. Uh, USAopoly, I feel like, really did a great job at capturing a nice feel for the game. There's so many great portraits from the movies. Yeah. So so what the game is, as uh, Aaron briefly mentioned before, it is a card game. So it's a deck building, a cooperative deck building game. And Aaron, I don't think you've played very many deck building games before. Maybe none? I've played Dominion once or twice. Okay. But as far as deck builders go, like I played Magic, but that's not even like... No, I mean, but that's like a kind of a long-term yeah, deck building situation. But Well, in Magic, it's like I can go buy a deck if I want. But but a proper right, deck building right. game like is Like where this. you're building a deck in-game. That's what yeah. this is. So yeah. it's it's a cooperative deck building game, and it takes the players through all seven years at Hogwarts 
uh, over the course of at least seven games. At least. At least. Very important thing to say. You could call this game Harry Potter Legacy. Right. So it took us ten games. Yes. If anyone is counting. Yes. I believe we replayed years four, six, and seven. Yeah. So I was looking at my notes and it just says, holy shit, book four is hard. Yeah, which which actually is very thematically appropriate. Yeah. I mean, that's when things really start to become more adult. So I'm I am a Harry Potter super fan for our listeners, uh, which Aaron kind of mentioned when he was saying, <laughs> you you know, you said, oh, you're trying to get this because you know that I really like the books. Yeah, well, it was it was like I know that it would mean a lot to you to play like a good Harry Potter game because as a Harry Potter fan, I've been burned on all the video games. All the video games are trash. Right. They're oh, bad. I haven't even given them a chance. Yeah, just yeah. don't. Just you know, don't even open up your heart to that kind of hurt. It's really <laughs> bad. So yeah, it's it is a cooperative deck building game, and I was kind of unsure how something like that would work. But there's a a, a pretty nice board that comes out that shows you where to lay out all it looks of the cards, just like the Marauders map. Yeah, it looks like the Marauders map. Um, it, everything seems to be pretty high quality, and then you have these little. It's it's almost like, and I think somebody described this described it this way to you at the con. It's it's almost like a deck builder that's geared towards beginners. It's geared towards people who have never played a deck builder before. So it really holds your hand as far as that process. So each of the four characters, which there are only four, right? Yeah. So you play as Harry, Ron, Hermione, and Neville. And right. honestly, in all the games we played, Hermione was pretty much the powerhouse. Hermione is amazing. Which says something about Harry Potter, I think. <laughs> oh, there are many things to be said <laughs> about Harry Potter in that regard. And also, this is something that I thought was really interesting. You have to play all four characters, right? Yes. So so the game is designed for two to four players. If there's two people, you double up on characters. Right. Um, I personally played as Neville and Harry, and I got to play as Harry because I wanted to be Hermione. Right. We both wanted to be Hermione. This is <laughs> this is step one in Liz and Aaron compromise at the co-op ditch. Uh, <laughs> Our compromise was I got to be Hermione, but I also had to be Ron. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> wanted to be Ron. Ron's, Ron's the worst. But at least I got to be Harry and I got to be Neville. Um, and, and so we're talking kind of about like the pitch for this game. Right. One of the things that, uh, that USAopoly and Forest Perusen did really well is the presentation of the characters. So if you there's a Minerva McGonagall card and you're going to have a really nice picture of Maggie Smith on there. Right. You're going to have Mad-Eye Moody and you're going to have like a really good picture of him. So the funny thing for me is Harry, Ron, Hermione, for every one of their face cards, we there there are some surprises. As games go on, you do open up boxes and unveil new cards and sometimes you get new face cards and almost every time Harry, Ron, and Hermione will always have a really nice-looking face card. Right. Except for Neville. Neville gets shafted, just like he does in the movies and just like he does in the books. Neville's face cards always look atrocious. It's really bad. I, I think the last one is is better. The last one is... Just like just like in the movies, Neville yeah. gets hotter. I mean, so... so <laughs> I, I mentioned before, I don't particularly care for the movies in a lot of ways, and I was a little... Uh, upset to learn that a lot of the imagery from the game is just images from the movie. Mm-hmm. But I think they did a really good job of of still maintaining sort of the spirit of the books as well. So although the images were from the movie, I didn't 
I didn't feel like I was just getting smacked in the face with the movies the whole time at all. And a lot of the, you know, you have things like spells and other useful items in the game. And a lot of them are just, that's illustration. So it, you know, aside from especially the character art, which was always images from the from the film, it was pretty accessible mm-hmm. to somebody who doesn't particularly care about the movies. But so, so yeah, the, the game overall is you're playing as these four characters. Each, there there are three villains that you're trying to defeat. And then it, it kind of compounds as the games go on. So the the there's game definitely it, a snowball effect, right? The game itself actually says if you're an experienced deck builder, you can just start at book four. I don't think I would particularly recommend that to anybody who just wants to get the full story. Absolutely not. No. And, and like one of the neat things is you play the first game, and your first three villains are Draco, Quirrell, and oh god, oh Crab and Goyle. Goyle. Like right. the three stupidest villains you could think of in Harry Potter. Right. Fine. And and one of the one of the really neat things is you open up the box for game two. And all of a sudden, you have new villains. You have a basilisk, and you right. get a Gilderoy Lockhart card. And like, there's yeah. something very exciting about taking apart every single box and being like, "Oh, what did we get? Oh, did we get new Hogwarts cards? Yeah. Did we get new this? Did we do that?" Liz, I have Game Two's box here. Oh, I'm so excited! All right. So, if there's not a Gilderoy Lockhart card in there, I'm gonna scream. You're Guess who is listed as an ally? In not Gilderoy game. Lockhart. Are you Gilderoy. Kidding? Are you fucking kidding? Kenneth Branagh Lockhart. No, that That's doesn't right. make any sense. That's right. It doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't say. It says, "Oh, what it tells you to do is draw a card and then light another one on fire." And and so it's a deck builder in the sense. I mean, it is a it is a traditional deck builder in the sense that everybody gets. You know, each person has 10 starting cards, each character, and then you're buying damage tokens and money tokens with each of your cards. And then you buy, you know, with the money tokens, you can buy more cards that give you damage or other types of uh, kind of buffs. And then you can use those. That's, That's what you use to actually defeat the villain and move on towards the game. So it actually is is both very straightforward and challenging enough to kind of keep your mind occupied at the same time. I mm-hmm. really appreciated that because I was a little bit like, okay, is this going to be oversimplified? But there's a lot going on. And, and I think we both have played some, you know, fairly complex board games in our time. And the scaling between years of the game. This game escalates exceptionally well and so what it is is you're always building so Mm -hmm. you'll you'll keep the year one items and enemies in the game and then you'll move on to year two and then after that you'll keep the year two items and enemies in the game so by the last game you have to defeat a lot of enemies right but then you're also getting a whole bunch of buffs and it it really is kind of an interesting. It's legacy esque. Um, you're not you know you're it's not, not like carrying a, over any any like experience. You're not carrying over things that you've bought. Right. You you start each year over with your same starter deck, mm-hmm. and you have to buy and build a new deck again. Um, it would be really interesting. I mean, the the everything would have to scale up much more if you actually kept mm-hmm. all of the things that you acquired for each game. But one one of the things that I found very interesting was. Pretty much at the start of game three, I felt like they were throwing so many villains into it and not giving us a whole lot of new cards where I was like, we are absolutely not going to win this game. Like we are, we are so far behind the eight ball. And then as we'd play, you'd kind of see like the smaller complexities come out mm-hmm. like, oh, I had so much more money in the first two games. I didn't know what to do with it. And now I know where to spend that money. Or 
I had so many more damage tokens that now I know what to do with it. And and really, like, it does a very good job of not making it overly difficult, but just making it challenging. I do think that there's a little bit of, there's a little bit too much placed on some of the Hogwarts cards. So so the Hogwarts cards are basically abilities, spells, and items. Right. Those, that, are, those are the cards that you add into your deck. Yes. As you're building your deck, they're... They're called Hogwarts cards, but that's that's those are the cards that you use to play the game. Yeah, yeah. And and some of those uh, in later games, sometimes the way a deck is shuffled, or sometimes the way that just the cards are doled out, it can either doom you or make the game way too easy for you. Right. That's what I was thinking. Um, if there's one, uh, I don't know if I'd say it's a flaw. I don't know if it's really possible. It's it's interesting because in in most deck builders. And I, I guess I don't have that. I have a lot of, of a narrow field of, of deep experience, right? So, like, I've played Dominion a lot. And one of the things in Dominion is you have the same, like, you know at the beginning of the game, you have the same dozen or so cards that As you can buy. everybody else? Oh. Right. Okay. So, there, so there, you know, there's, there's 12 different kinds of cards, and those are the kinds of cards that you can buy to build your deck. It's the same every time, or you choose at the beginning of the game what you're going to use. So you're not... You're not going to suddenly just be screwed by the way that they're laid out when you shuffle them. It, it could happen, I guess, if you decide to have that be randomized. But the way this works is you can only buy the six cards that are dealt out every time. And then you, you, know, then you fill them in as mm-hmm. you buy them. But if the only things that come out at the beginning, once you've got this pretty sizable deck you know, with seven years of accumulated cards then if the only things that are available to buy at the beginning are really expensive, then you kind of are hamstrung. Mm-hmm. Or if you the, the villains don't come out in the same order every time. So if you happen to get some really difficult villains out together at the beginning or some villains sort of compound each other's bad traits and it becomes, you're just, you feel at the, at the very beginning like, oh, we're f***ed and you can't, you, there's nothing you can yeah. do. And that's, I think... In games four, six, and seven, which we had to replay, those are the ones. I th- that's what it felt. It felt like it was about luck and not that we misplayed in some way. And See, it- I would, I, I like half agree. I feel like in games four, six, and seven, they threw a little bit of new mechanics at us, which uh, Liz and I discussed. We don't want to get too far into new mechanics. We kind of like if you're going to play this it's such a thrill to open up the new boxes but you can theoretically guess that if you're playing a game in and it's game 4 you're going to see people like Cedric Diggory and Victor Crumb show up mm-hmm. but so villains wise i think in games 4 6 and 7 we discovered that it actually helps us to not defeat all the villains immediately because it delays harder villains coming out and i think we really worked that to our advantage i'd be curious to see if the designers had that in mind well i mean but that that was because we got lucky and three not very hard villains came out at the beginning right like we were able to strategize that way because that's what was presented to us but in some of the slots so by game seven you're fighting three villains at once but we would have two slots occupied by lesser villains that we could kill pretty easily sure but then we would only have one really hard villain occupy that third slot and i think we really leveraged that quite a bit we did but I will say, you know, game seven, which we had to play again, we really kind of ran into the same problem again. I mean, we had things well in hand because we were otherwise very lucky. So the first time we played game seven or oh, year God. seven, 
it was just kind of a cluster. Like at the beginning, we had we couldn't really buy any cards for a while, and then we yeah because you one thing you don't carry over your purchasing power from turn to turn. So if you're not getting enough, you can't even really wait for turns to accumulate it. You just have to hope that you get something that mm. comes out. There, I guess there's actually a scenario where you would just be totally screwed. I think then you would just have to decide to redo it. I mean, that would be so unusual. Pretty much, yeah. But even when we replayed book seven... When we, we still, replayed book seven, we figured out what to do so early on. We did, but we still got hung up. I mean, there's so there's a horcrux element, as you may imagine, in book seven. And that requires some extra work. Finesse. And <laughs> Right. And that, that still was what kept us kind of hanging for a while it didn't make the game difficult it it made it longer yeah and it got to a point where i was like there's no way we're losing this right there's absolutely no way we're losing but and i see what we have to do it's just we haven't drawn the right card it can get to where even if you're doing very well things just kind of get stretched out i don't i almost think maybe (laughs) if we play enough we'll come up with a house rule to take some of the the cards out that are sort of space fillers. It just got to a point where, like, when I think of the end of book seven, I think of, like, life or death, someone's going to die. Right. And I don't know who it's going to be. And in this card game, I just imagined the four of us surrounding Voldemort in a cathedral, and Voldemort's just like, please kill me. I want to <laughs> die. And we're all like, sorry, we don't have the spells yet. Like, right. we really can't. Well, it. I will say it's kind of interesting because even when I read book seven... There's that whole stretch where they're like looking for Horcruxes and don't know what they're doing. And I remember when I first (laughs) read it, I was like, man, that took forever and nothing was happening. And Ron was an asshole. And I just was like... Ron's always an asshole. Right. And so it's kind of interesting that in that respect, we mirrored the book with our playthrough most recently. So it's interesting. When we first started this, I made note of this because I thought it was, one, adorable, but also insightful. Um... (laughs) You said, we are going in the turn order in which they became friends. <laughs> it was Harry, Ron, Neville, and Hermione. It was Harry, Ron, Hermione, and then Neville. Oh, that, that's right. Yeah. Um, and I was like, huh. One of the things I really admire about this game, and you kept bringing it up, was that so many of the card effects and card abilities mirrored in an intelligent way what those things would do in the game absolutely the only thing that i disagree with is remus lupin he's my favorite character and all he did was one damage and give back three hearts and i think remus lupin should just like energize a hero teach them something else then turn into a werewolf and you have to rip up the card and never play it again he should he should have done something to all of the heroes i think which which actually is a really good tie-in to the next thing that we were going to talk about which is just the co-op elements of the game so this is the first episode of the cooperative podcast and we we have played other cooperative games together we've played at least several at least (laughs) at least several we've played at least one other cooperative game right and uh we i thought so i thought it was really interesting this is so very purely cooperative this is designed exclusively for co-op yeah and it's hard sometimes to find games that are just really Mm -hmm. focused on that there's a lot of games that will say and the co-op element is you just do two of whatever right or here's a co-op version like both of you have to do this thing and and so it was kind of refreshing to play this game that is totally geared towards that, and and that's part of why we picked it, and also because Harry Potter is great. <laughs> uh, but and and I I think the subject matter of this gears itself well towards a completely cooperative game because 
you're talking about, I mean, Neville is like a little bit of an add-on. He he worked with them, but you're talking about a, a book series that really relies on three characters cooperation between these three characters. I was trying to think who it would be if not Neville, but I, I feel like like this is a good time to spotlight Neville. Right. Well, and you know, it could have been Neville mm-hmm. the whole time. Yeah. And that's why I think it works. <laughs> I love that we're discarding a card, but there's this like triumphal music in the background. Yeah. Discard your card. Yeah, I really, I thought that the co-op part of this worked so very well. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for a cooperative game, I really think this is a great, a great one. And it's, it's fun because you can play through seven years together if you want to have sort of an ongoing thing. We, in terms of time, I we think... We kept the same characters throughout. We did. We, we did everything. We kept the same characters throughout. There are some other abilities that come out later and we sort of ended up keeping them the same i think just because we were happy with what we had yeah and and like i wonder it <laughs> i could sense like a little twinge of sadness when later on in the game you get a proficiency and the proficiency is basically like a passive buff well, depending we'll on what happens we'll talk more about that because there was a reason <laughs> but back to so so in terms of the time that it takes you can play i think the first 3 books you could get one or you could get two books in at one sitting yeah. easily. Games I mean, one to three take about a half hour. Oh, once, I think they take a little bit more. but 45 minutes. 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. Depending, you know, I mean, once you get in a rhythm, it's yeah. different. And, you know, having two people play four characters, then it goes a little bit faster. But uh, once you get past, I mean, how long did it, did book seven take Okay, us? book seven took us two hours and 15 minutes. Did you time it? Yes. Wow. Yeah, So so... We we definitely this game cost fifty bucks. We definitely absolutely we got we our money. Definitely worth. got our money's worth. Yeah, because I mean, how it's probably been like ten hours of playing time at least. Oh, at least, and yeah. and also just like it's ten hours of a good game. As far as a cooperative game goes, one thing that this game does really well, and you might hear me harp on this a lot. I talk about this a lot on other shows and panels and stuff. But a narrative of a game, I think, is so very important, and the story of a game, I think, is pivotal. So when you're using something that has a pre-established canon, like Harry Potter, and you're using these characters that already mean a lot to people, like they mean the world to you. So whenever Neville defeated a basilisk, or if Neville were to slay Nagini at the end of Game 7, you probably would have lost your shit. Um, But the thing that I kept note of is that as we started the game and got more experienced, it mirrored what the characters in the game were doing, and so it really felt like we were owning these characters. It really felt like we were taking ownership of mm-hmm. what we did, of our actions, and how we became more experienced with it. Right. And that is so hard to do. Like, people that mean to do that can't even do that. So yeah. I don't know if USA Opley, like, intended that to happen. Yeah, well, and I think it is. It's a little easier when you have this this affection for characters going into it. I mean, they didn't have to sell us on anything in no. that regard, right? Like, we we were already like, yeah, I mean, we want everybody to live. We want them to win. Voldemort's an asshole. We want him to die, that kind of thing. Um, I will say, as far as taking character ownership goes, sometimes it was a little bit silly. Like, Harry Potter is not ever going to be proficient in arithmetic. All right, so let's talk about this part. Um, so this is the part of the podcast where we talk about what we learn about each other but, well, while be- we play. Before we get into that, I really quick... I learned a lot about Liz. Wait, I really I really quickly, I want to say, as back to the cooperative elements, 
one thing that I thought was really cool is that the the game really takes into account that it is always going to be a cooperative game. Mm-hmm. All of the cards that they reference the active hero mm-hmm. versus everybody else, but there are a lot of shared buffs and a lot of shared penalties. So you really are do what's best for the team. You're definitely in it together, and that's why I think playing with open hands worked for us. Um, it's not like Dead of Winter where you can win, but you also have a secret objective. Yeah, there's no secret objectives. It's purely co-op. And I, this probably does tie into our couples observation <laughs> section. But um, having having all of the open hands meant that we could... We could see what the other person. Yeah, had. I mean, I don't think we looked too much. I didn't really look too much at like what you had next. Oh, I totally did. Oh, the, well, like half of this game was go. me going, "Oh, good." <laughs> there we go. Okay, well, you can you can make whatever arithmancy observation you were so excited all right, to make. All right, so so the thing, I I really enjoy Harry Potter. I've read the books. I've seen the movies. I played the video games and stop. One of the first things I learned about Liz when we started dating was that she loved Harry Potter, which is like a really great thing. Yes, it is. Like you said when we started playing this, this is your irrational geek thing to be excited about. It is one of several. Okay, but, but, but yes. like this is like the flagpole that I know you for. Like you love Harry <laughs> Potter, that's great, whatever. I back it 100%. It's one of the reasons I was excited to play this game. But there was such a twinge of sadness where later in the game, you get a proficiency. It is basically a passive buff that you can attach to your character. And I got the arithmancy buff. Which is ridiculous. And her, well, I, being Harry Potter, got the arithmancy buff. Right. Liz, as Hermione, got the defense against the dark arts buff. And there came a moment where you were like, it is insane that you have arithmancy and I have have defense against the dark arts. And I said, do you want to trade? And there was a... like a short pause there was a short pause and you said no and i was like oh no this really this Here's is really the getting there it's not crazy for hermione to be proficient in defense against the dark arts it's not crazy for hermione to be proficient still, in everything exactly i mean defense against the dark arts is the only thing that harry potter ever beat her at okay but also but she was still that, proficient the fact that harry beat her in anything is insane and harry only got by because he had friends like harry solo that's yeah. a shitty game harry co-op that's the only way he's a hero exactly that's that was the original working title for this game <laughs> harry potter harry co-op that's the only way he's a hero um the thing i learned most about you is just like how much you know about harry potter lore because it, it wouldn't even it wouldn't have even dawned on me that like we got a special Gen Con Dursley card where if you discard the Dursleys you get uh, a damage point you get a heart point and you get a and, and you get to draw a card and I was like all right that's cool but you immediately tied it back to that makes sense if you discard the Dursleys you get all these buffs and I was like holy shit she knows this this is incredible and it it, it just like like one it made me think you're way better at board games than I am but two you're you just your knowledge for that knows no bounds, and it was adorable, but also terrifying. Aww. I don't. So I didn't. I don't think I'm way better at board games than you are at all. I think if I I'm was, better at video games, you're better at board games. Well, I don't ne- necessarily concede that we need to one of us be better than the other. No, at each we're, of we're not things. playing a co-op game anymore. This is this is winners. Oh, this no. is winners and losers. No compromises. <laughs> Relationships. No compromises. Uh, yeah, I will say I I don't think I'm better. Than you are at board games necessarily, and I, I know also what, I know what you're going to say. I also don't think that that needs to be decided upon. <laughs> but I did learn 
that I don't know if I, I don't I don't think in general life that I am better with details than you are. <laughs> but in this game, so there there are a lot of Oh no, no I know no. where this is going. Everyone's going to know. So there there are a lot of sort of ongoing moving parts in terms of of ongoing buffs and ongoing <laughs> penalties that you have to keep track of. Mm-hmm. And and I will say I don't think the game does an amazing job of helping you with that. There's not always for for the things that you have to always remember, they they don't always give you. They say like, oh, put this token on this thing, and mm-hmm. then you then then you know. But there are more than one token, and there's more than one person who could have done it. So you really still have to remember. But but so I I felt like a lot of times I would be like, you can't do that right now, or you have to take another damage. Or in my defense, <laughs> that was game seven. No, and it was not only game. I seven. had it was whiskey. Not bull, bull, <laughs> pucky. No way. That was there was no. That happened throughout the games, and also you had like a regular amount of whiskey. A that regular was not, amount. It was not a debilitating amount of whiskey, and <laughs> yeah, it, it was a it was a lot of time, and it got to a point where I was like, "Is he doing this on purpose? <laughs> Is this like? Does he want?" And I don't. I, I think it's it's because it was fully co-op too mm-hmm. that I was paying you know I was paying attention to you that had stuff an on your turn too. And everybody else, right? I guess what it boils down to is: is this a good co-op game? Like, yeah, right. This yeah. game's great. It's a very good co-op game. I, I mean, I I was pleasantly surprised. I want to at some point try. I mean, we played. It's taken us some time to get through these seven years so yeah. maybe we'll give it a little break but I, w- I would like to go back and just play game seven or maybe i could easily get back into this vibe it would it would be great if like before fantastic beasts and where to find them came out we said mm-hmm. let's play game seven again i'd be all for that right do you think this would be a good first date game i can picture this being a great first date game it, it's a good first date game for a couple that has like discussed harry potter or discussed games so, i think it's kind of a weird that's like a whole separate question about what should you do on a first so date. okay as i said i love romance let me paint you a picture and i want you right. to say yes or no i don't know did do they know that you love romance this was a conversation I mean, we had earlier listeners i love romance <laughs> i love romance um so let's talk about this imagine that you're at university okay maybe somewhere let's say cambridge all right fine you're at cambridge for and, example and and Somebody is an English major and somebody is a mathematics major right. and they begin talking about Harry Potter fantasy sci-fi novels and over the course of a semester you you develop a conversation and like you know you like this person and you're like I don't know what the perfect first date would be I know like like I, I get anxious around this person and I get a little and I I don't know right. little little like right. sweaty um <laughs> cuz and and what you want to what, what you want to figure out is before I go even farther with this crush dude mm-hmm. i want to know if we can compromise yeah like i want to know what they're gonna say when i say i want to be hermione yeah because I everyone should this, be hermione i want to know if this person thinks that quarrel is as much of an idiot as i do right so then you say i'm gonna like do you think it's okay to buy this game and say first i think date? that's i i think saying i bought a 50 dollars board game for our first date is you like don't mention the price bold. tag uh, maybe maybe I, I look, bought this game will, last year. Maybe I, I got it for Christmas. I don't think that our recommendation of this game needs to hinge on whether or not someone should play it. It's on a, a first very date. specific scenario. Yeah, I, I mean, it sounds like 
for our listeners that Aaron believes this would be a wonderful first date It's game. a romantic game. You should play it with candles right. lit. Should he have provided me with this gaming opportunity on our first date, I would certainly have been interested. <laughs> but that may not be the truth for everybody. I love the idea that so- our listeners are like, what the hell do they do? <laughs> They're not even human. Uh, so, but yes, it is a it is an excellent game. I think it is good for beginners and novices and experts all at once. So if you check the Cambridge University bookstore and they have this game, it's a lock. Yeah. All right. What he said. <laughs> Pretty much sums up our podcast experience situation about yeah. this game. You can play it with someone on a first date. You can play it with friends. It does not have to be a couple situation. You can play it with enemies. Who knows? Maybe you'll right. find common ground. Yeah. You would be forced to cooperate in some <laughs> way with this enemy. So, uh, but yeah. So, so thank you for listening to the first episode of the Cooperatives Podcast. This podcast is produced every other week for your enjoyment. Please come back often and feel free to add the Cooperatives Podcast to your favorite podcatcher. Reviews are very welcome and will help the show succeed. Yes, please. And you can also follow us on Twitter at at CooperativesPod and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash CooperativesPod. If there's a particular game that you think we should play and discuss, please don't hesitate to send us an email. You can email us at at CooperativesPod at gmail.com or leave us a message on social media. Yeah, we'll put some links to the uh, to the actual game's website and where you can buy it in the show notes. That'll be super easy. Uh, we'll also put probably Twitter and stuff in the show notes so you can find us. Absolutely. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, and thank you, Forrest. Yeah. Forrest Prusan. Thank you, Prusan. Thank you, Forrest Prusan and USAopoly. Yes, for providing us with this excellent gaming experience. Yeah, I'm so pleasantly surprised, and I'm so happy that I almost got bloodied and injured at Gen Con to buy it. I particularly appreciate that part. (laughs) Jeez. Wow. I love you. I love you. All right. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening (laughs) to the first episode. As Liz said, uh, please, uh, if you have time, go to iTunes. Leave us a review. It's just so important for podcasts to have uh, good reviews. If you're going to leave us a bad review, hey, maybe don't. Okay. No, do what you need to do. No, don't do that. Just do do what your heart tells you. Oh, God. This is what made Voldemort Voldemort. All right. Okay, bye. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Goodbye.